This is episode number 51 of the Paleo Women Podcast. Welcome to the Paleo Women Podcast. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And with me is my partner in crime, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. This show is the place to be if you're a fan of moderately amusing banter and uninhibited real talk relating to health, nutrition, fitness, body image, and just about everything in between. While hanging out with us, please remember the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used in place of medical advice or treatment. Now, let's have some fun. Hello, friends. We are back, as promised. I am Noelle Tarr. I am your co-host, and I am here with Stephanie Ruper. Hello, Stephanie Ruper. Hi, Noelle Tarr. How are you? I am super well. Super well. That's exciting. Well, I'm talking to you. Yeah, that's really fun. How <laughs> how is your classes going? I wanted to ask you about this. I haven't talked to you about that, but how? Like, did you start a new semester, or when you're pursuing a PhD, is it not like that? Are you just like doing your own thing? Well, so in the United States, a PhD program generally entails two years of super rigorous classes. Shut up, Noel. And <laughs> then a year of taking these really rigorous tests to certify that you know everything there is to know ever. And then you have two years to write your dissertation. In the United Kingdom and the rest of Europe, for the most part, uh, it's a totally different thing. So I, it's only a three-year program, although most people take longer. <laughs> I showed up and people are like, so you're going to take four years? I'm like, how about two? <laughs> They're like, okay. <laughs> um, it'll probably be three years for me. But since I already have a master's degree, I don't have to take classes. Uh, I meet for a seminar once a week and we like talk about stuff. And there's a, a couple other things I go to, but I actually – um, it's super nice. I get to schedule all my own time and all my own work. So I do a lot, you know, I might work a 12 hour day, but it's, it's sort of on my own call, which is how I need things to be to sort of manage my sleep and my anxiety and also my dancing. So it's, uh, it works for me. And that's, that's a part of why I'm doing well is that I have a, you know, a life that fits with the way I need things to be. Yay, and you're coming to see me very soon, next month. Way soon. I just, I can't believe how soon I was just home, literally just home. But I am going to see Noel. There is a dance event, pretty obviously, like, <laughs> what else do I go to? You're um, not coming West home for me, that's for sure. Well, kind <laughs> of. I mean, I did consider canceling the trip for a little while, but... I figured that at the very least, I should at least go for a weekend and see you. So I will definitely be doing that no matter what happens elsewhere. There's a West Coast Swing event. West Coast Swing is a super fun dance. If you dance it, come hang out with me. I'll be at Mad Jam and then uh, maybe at Tea Party a couple of weeks later. But yeah, I, I couldn't. I don't know. There's a boy I kind of like. So <laughs> yeah, there is. I know. <laughs> That's I always know. a really big motivator <laughs> when it comes to traveling um, and dance. I know. Fortunately, dance. though, there's like such a large rotation of them that I'm not. I, so I, this is 
<laughs> I should I should just never expose things I think to our audience. I always tell people that the trick, I tell women the trick is to have three men on rotation at minimum because having one is like way too much invested in one and that would never work out unless you're like married, that's fine. But <laughs> if you have three, then one can drop out and you'll still have two. And then you can pick up a third easily. Two is too risky because you could easily drop to one. So you should have at least three men on rotation um, that you're sort of managing your romantic life with. And that isn't to say that's what I'm trying to do with this boy who I like. But anyway, uh, well, this is wisdom from the experienced. <laughs> Let's just make it aside that this is actually a boy that is really cool and smart he's a man that is really smart and exciting and i am excited a mature communicator and honest and i can i just say uh, it's not that's not easy to find and it's not typical in your world Okay, so I am excited to hang out. I can definitely say we will most likely be doing a Periscope together. We will let you know the date on that, and we'll probably be taking some photos, because why not? (laughs) Because you never know. You never know when you're going to need more photos. Don't. If the question is, do we need more photos, the answer is always yes. (laughs) But I would actually hope that this is going to be more of a, like, can we just sit and hang out and talk like we did at PaleoFX? We just, like got to talk so much and hang out. Right. right. So hopefully that'll be that. I have some really exciting news. Go. I am <laughs> thank you. I am <laughs> I am uh getting help for my back, like really official help, and I actually did a really awesome workout today that included like sled pushes, which is kind of one of those things that's in my opinion pretty hard like you know you have to use your entire body and so for the last two months I've been doing just mostly upper body bench press anything that just basically takes my back out of the situation and so today I did an actual workout with the crew that I work out with and so it's been really exciting and what I am dealing with and what I planned to talk about more is uh, SI joint issues which is a very very common cause of low back pain for a lot of people. So if you tend to sit a long time, stand up, and you have a really hard time standing up, you get in a lot of pain, or just standing over a long period of time, you, you get in a lot of pain. That's the SI joint. It's typically, it's like in just above your butt, you know, like it's it's kind of at the base of your back. Uh, and and there, you have two SI joints on each side. So typically the pain radiates around your hip, and sometimes it can cause groin issues as well, like groin pain, hip flexor pain, So that's kind of what I'm dealing with. And now that I know what it is, I'm super excited. I've been seeing a PT and getting better and strengthening my back. And then, and my glutes actually uh, do not fire like at all. So when I'm doing squats and everything, like my hamstrings are what is doing all of the work. So I have actually been talking about this a little bit on Periscope and everybody's been like, dude, tell me more because I feel like you're talking about me. So I'm definitely going to talk about it more. I'm going to do, of course, more research, more work with this PT. She knows I'm a questioner. I like to ask all of the questions and know all the answers. So she's definitely like training me, helping me kind of work through some of this. And I'm going to talk about it more probably on the blog, uh, you know, doing specific exercises for SI joint, low back pain, and how to get your glutes to fire and stuff like that. So I'm super excited. Turning I, turning a negative. Sorry. No, no, turning a negative into a positive. 
I just wanted to say that that's um that makes me feel happy because I don't want you to be in pain. Yeah. Yeah. Pain is not fun. It's not fun when you can't do the things that you like to do. So it's been a whole learning experience, but I'm I'm just happy I'm kind of coming out on the other side of that. So and I also turn 30 next month, so that's kind of a thing. Um, so we can move on from – those are my updates. <laughs> those are my updates. We're all just – we're all so old. We're, we're getting older. March I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited about it, but, you know. Um, <laughs> let's not go into a dissertation about uh, your issues. Don't get me started on or, aging, your, I know. Your issues. Uh, <laughs> uh Real quick, we have a new sponsor, and I'm super excited about it because you probably know that I'm super passionate about this organization, the NTA, Nutritional Therapy Association, which is where I got my nutritional therapy practitioner certification from, is officially coming on and supporting the podcast. They love what we do. They love Stephanie and I, of course, and they would love to support this community on a bigger scale. So... Like we mentioned before, just before they launched the winter 2015-2016 program, they are going to be doing it again for this these up to uh, sessions they're doing. Now, I'm telling you this now. The sessions are not – There's your next session, your next opportunity to uh, go through the program actually isn't until September around that time, and the registration will open in June. But I think this is a really important time to start talking about the conversation, about potentially looking into doing the things that you really want to do in life. And if, if your passion is to help people, maybe you have certain health conditions that you've come on the other side of and you want to help people with that, or you're doing a job right now that you, you just don't enjoy and you want to start working for yourself this is the time to think about it. So I want you to go to nutritionaltherapy.com and go and actually look at the program and the course catalogs and stuff that they have in there. The The course that I went through, all of the information I learned is just so incredibly uh, top-notch and valuable. The instructors are amazing. I went through the NTP program, which means I had three in-person workshops. I met some incredible people. I have people that I've networked with and I'm still in touch with now. So I just, I can't, I'm over the moon about it, obviously. I'm pretty excited. And I get emails about it a lot. So this is why I'm really excited to bring them on and to have the opportunity to talk about it more because I want you, the community, if you desire to start a business in nutrition and helping people, please go look at the course catalog and start seeing where some of the locations are for the in-person weekends so that you can see if that's something that, that you can make work. And then when you register for the program, you will use the coupon code PaleoWomen and you'll get a $100 check on us. $100 check. So that's pretty exciting. I'm, uh, you'll probably be hearing more about stuff that they do and I'll, I'll keep you in touch with, with more about programs opening and stuff like that just quickly on the podcast. They are doing a pretty cool conference March 17th to 21st in Portland, Oregon. It's the Nutritional Therapy Association Conference. People like Sarah Ballantyne and Liz Wolf and Tom O'Brien. Isabella Wentz actually is going to be there too. Like a lot of really cool people are going to be speaking. There's, it's a great opportunity to learn about the NTA and just get some rock solid uh, information from really amazing speakers. So check that out too at, um, at nutritionaltherapy.com. Their events are, are it's, a, it's a separate tab and you can go and learn about the conference. So 
Uh, also, last call on the Dragonfly Traditions giveaway. We were going to announce the winner next week. So go leave your review and then email paleowomenpodcast at gmail.com to let us know you love the review and you could win all of the wonderful winter skincare items that we also desperately need in this cold front that we are all experiencing on the East Coast while the snow. I'm very, this is my excited voice. I'm very excited about all the snow. <laughs> I'm very excited I don't have it. You know, it's pretty cold here, but it never really gets much below 30. So we can really? get dusting, but we don't, we don't get snow. Not really, not snow, snow with a capital S, you know. Hmm. Yeah, so it's very nice. Very different from Boston, girlfriend. Super, which is amazing because I left every winter when I was in Boston. Yeah. Okay, you ready for questions? Always. If you're a fan of natural skincare products like we are, you'll be excited to know that Dragonfly Traditions has a brand new website. To celebrate the occasion, Phoebe is offering the Paleo Women Podcast community 20% off all of the products on her new website, including our favorite lip balm and the new Manduka eye cream. All of the products you'll find on the site are made from nourishing ingredients, including natural oils, butters, and beeswax. To get 20% off your order, head over to dragonflytraditions.com and use the code paleowomen, one word, lowercase, at checkout. Check the show notes for exact links and the discount code. Question number one is from Lauren. Hey, ladies. I love your podcast. I just found it and have already learned so much. I'm hoping you can give me some direction. I'm currently trying to conceive and have been for the last 17 months at the year mark. I was referred to an endocrinologist who went through all the fertility testing with only positive results and no answers or diagnosis. I tend to have irregular cycles. She says 35 to 40 days with occasional longer cycles based on stress, but otherwise no issues were found. I started doing research into natural options and changed my diet to whole foods, plant-based, and I'm working with a health coach. I also supplement with magnesium and probiotics and a prenatal. I'd really like to resolve my fertility issues naturally. How long should I do so before I take the next step medically? Would you recommend I do anything else to improve my health? I should also add that I have a history of disordered eating in my teens and 20s. I'm 32 now, but I haven't had any issues in several years. I was on hormonal birth control for 12 years before wanting to conceive and feel that this is the main reason for the issues I'm having. Any advice would be appreciated. Thanks, ladies. Hi, love. I think that your intuition about the birth control may be pretty close to correct. (laughs) Um, If you've been trying to conceive for the last 17 months, I I take that to mean you've been off of the pill for 17 months. 17 months is typically like most women clear that gap. Most women start menstruating after the pill within uh, 17 months. I've seen it happen around a year before. Um, more than a year, around a year and a half though, I have not. And so I think the pill is at play and there are some techniques, some things that you can do to sort of help with that, but there may be some other things that you want to look at. So first, uh, dealing with overcoming the pill, um, you know, getting, uh, plenty of carbs and fat in your diet is really important for helping your body start making its own hormones again, and protein. So at minimum, I would say 50, 75, 75 grams of protein. 
um, a day. And for carbs, trying to conceive, I would say, you know, 100 and more than 100, maybe closer to 150 a day. And fat grams should be you know, pretty significant as well, maybe around say, 30. Is that, is that too big? <laughs> um, 20 at least. Anyway, these are some ballpark numbers I'm throwing out there to sort of help you make sure you're getting enough of the things that you need to produce hormones. And then you also want to consider how you might be able to better support your liver, which may be detoxing old hormones out of it still. Um, the B vitamins are great for that. So B vitamin heavy foods like uh, red meats or uh, greens, for example, could be great. You're, you said you're taking a prenatal. Those are pretty high in B vitamins. So I wouldn't double up on those in uh, in any regard. Um, leafy greens also are particularly helpful for helping the body uh, detox better. There's a particular enzyme in them that does that. So Leafy greens on a regular basis should be uh, cooked. Leafy greens should be pretty helpful. Um, I raw leafy greens in high quantities can give you thyroid problems, and we don't want that. Um, you, there are some other supplements that can help with the liver, like uh, dandelion root or milk thistle. Uh, those are anecdotally quite good. There's not a lot of studies on them, so I wouldn't base you know, your whole healing on them. But if you chose to take them, it probably wouldn't hurt. Um, and also it's worth noting that because you may have excess hormones floating around in your body from having been on the pill, this could give you like some confusing tests on a hormone panel, right? You could get your blood tested and see that your estrogen levels are high, but you're maybe not producing them. They're coming out of your liver. They're not participating correctly in your menstrual cycle, that sort of thing, right? Your menstrual cycle could still be delayed by a constant stream of hormones coming out of your liver rather than the punctuated signals you should be delivering from the pituitary gland. Um, stress reduction is super, super, super important because um, your body won't make right hormones in the right amounts and it won't relax enough to do that without it. So I super recommend you know, reprioritizing, decreasing your commitments, decreasing your exercise, making sure you refuel after your exercise. These are all super important things for putting your body in a state of being able to conceive. Uh, the fact that your cycles are irregular um, and have been, I'm assuming, since you first started menstruating, I, I'm just guessing, um, indicates that there may be some underlying inflammation or it's possible you have the MTHFR gene mutation. Uh, it's possible that you just um, genetically output estrogen at a lower rate coming out of your um, ovaries and, and other reproductive organs. So, um, there may be a little bit of handicap at play, but that doesn't mean that you can't manage it. Uh, I think the supplements you're on with the magnesium, the probiotic, and the prenatal, I think that's a good mix for this. I think vitamin D is pretty crucial for these things. Um, women's reproductive health is uh, quite reliant on vitamin D, so make sure you're getting your sunshine or consider taking a little bit of vitamin D on a daily basis. Um, those things are really helpful without knowing more about what uh, your 
personal physiological particularities are, I, I can't really say, but those are the general fertility recommendation, recommendations I could make, you know, um, the superfood kind of things, uh, the pasture-raised eggs and the grass-fed organ meats and bone broth and all this stuff, you know, the veggies, fruits, carbs, everything, you know, it's, it's all really important. Um, and just making sure you're fed enough. I know that you said you haven't had an issue in, in a long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're eating enough you know, what your body needs. So be sure to err on the side of eating more rather than less. This is, I cannot tell you how important this is for fertility. Just if there's a doubt in your mind that you're not eating enough, go ahead and eat more. Um, prioritize your fertility, sort of let your concerns with weight slide. You have to let that go when you're trying to conceive because uh, there is a, de there's definitely an antagonistic relationship between uh, fat burning and fertility. So uh, as much as celebrity magazines would try and have us believe otherwise. So anyway, I encourage you to do those sorts of things. Uh, I think that they will definitely be helpful, not hurtful. So far as uh, pharmacological interventions go for conceiving children, I don't think they're particularly unhealthy. They might not be unpleasant. They might be unpleasant in some ways. You might suffer some symptoms, but uh, in the long term, they wouldn't hurt the health of you or your baby if you chose to do IVF or something like that, um, or uh, something less, um, you know, a less severe form of medical intervention. So if you end up choosing to go that route because you can't figure this out, uh, just know that I, you know, I, I don't condemn that. I think it's uh, perfectly healthy. And so long as you check out on your test results, um, I don't see any reason why not to go ahead with that. Yeah, the only thing I would add here is FAM trying out the fertility awareness method. So mm, trying yes. to uh, track your cycles, take your temperature every morning, same time, and read Taking Charge of Your Fertility. We will link that book in the show notes. I can't even express to you how powerful and valuable that book is if you're trying to get pregnant. Or if you're trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> so right. what, what you'll do is uh, learn about things like cervical fluid and how your cervix should feel and, and your temperature because your temperature changes and shifts after you ovulate. So you'll take your temperature at the same time every day before you get out of bed and, and learn about exactly when you ovulate so that you are not kind of guessing and throwing in the dark because if you have irregular cycles – you're most likely ovulating uh, or longer cycles, quote unquote, you're not, you're probably not ovulating on day 14. And it's perfectly normal for people to ovulate on day 11, on day 15. So it's, it's, that's okay. That's really okay. And, and that may be something that's going on with you. And you can actually find out if you are ovulating, which you may have already done some research into that. But so you'll just get a thermometer and you'll just use a little paper chart, which they give you with the book and you can track your cycles and, and do it once and see how it goes and then use it the next time to estimate and figure out when exactly it is you're ovulating so you can try and, and it teaches you about exactly how to make that experience valuable in terms of like how often or how much you should have sex during that time. But so there's a lot in there. I love that book. Please go get it. And I would recommend making sure, being sure that the prenatal that you're on is a 
folate, not a folic acid. Please do not take vitamins or supplements that have folic acid. You want folate. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Please go. We'll link to the other shows that we mentioned, prenatal supplements, in the show notes So because we go into depth on those. But I really do think doing a vitamin D, doing a methylated folate, so a usable form of folate, uh, is really helpful. I will link to Thorn Research's prenatal, which I highly recommend. And I do think it might be valuable to get tested for MTHFR just in case to see if if that's something that you have. Um, if not, no worries. You don't. I don't think that's an absolute thing here. I think that patients working through making sure that you're coping appropriately with stress is a big deal here. 12 years is a long time to be on synthetic hormones. And I know it's been 17 months and in a year that's technically infertility and all that stuff, but your body may take a little longer and that's okay. So I, I don't feel comfortable saying, okay, well, at this mark, this is when you should start doing other medical stuff. I have people in my life who've been trying for three and a half, four years, and we're just about to try IVF and got pregnant. So it's it. I don't want it to take that long for you, believe me, and I don't want it to take that long for anybody. But I think that if it doesn't happen within a year, it's okay. And your body, um, there's still potential and there's still things that you can do and there's still things you can explore. I would, you know, little other hacks, I would really make sure you're doing some nutrient-dense grass-fed beef, some sort of uh, liver. You can do the desiccated liver capsules and make sure you're getting fat-soluble vitamins. So again, those uh, those pasture-raised eggs, really important. Uh, that to me makes makes a big difference for people. So and that's all the stuff we always talk about on the podcast. So that's kind of what I my thoughts are. There, oh, last thing, uh, a probiotic, a good probiotic would be very helpful. So just to help with, again, the process of uh, making sure you have a robust gut, making sure detoxification, you're able to, to pro- appropriately get those hormones out of your body. I think that'll help a lot. <laughs> those are the things we always talk about on the podcast. You said it's more like those are the things we mock for people always talking about while we're on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They are very important. It's just we always laugh because it's very easy in the paleo world to just throw liver out there like it's like it's going to be the thing that solves all your problems, which is hilarious. Yes. No, it's very supportive of good health. But um, and we will link to those things that we recommend in the show notes. Absolutely. Question number two is from Jessica. Hi, ladies. Love the podcast. The other week you touched on self-control around food and it brought up some additional questions for me. I have been struggling with IBS, GERD, acid reflux type symptoms for the last five to eight years or so with it gradually getting worse over the years to the point of having digestive issues for three to four months at a time. Earlier this year, I was diagnosed with SIBO and Candida, the treatment for both, which required extremely restrictive diets. I have a disordered eating past starting in high school with binge eating disorder and continued into college with bulimia. I went through several years of recovery, but all of these restricted diets to treat my stomach issues are making me feel deprived and I have reverted back to these disorders, mostly on the binge side, but occasionally struggle with the bulimia, which I know is probably making my stomach acid issues much worse. I feel at a crossroads where my only choice is to suck it up and follow the recommenda- recommendations for the diets, but that means eliminating sugar, which I'm completely terrified to do. 
The thought of even having to do that has set me on multiple sugar rampages, but I'm sick and tired of feeling unwell all the time. Noelle, I think you it was you that mentioned how sugar used to hold so much power for you, and Stephanie discussed not eating sweets because once she started, the cravings wouldn't stop, and that wasn't worth the five seconds of enjoyment. It all sounds very great and logical, but how did you actually get to the point where you could feel where you could let go of sugar, and how do you eat now? Ice cream is my precious in life to the point where I at least need to have it once a week, but I could easily have it every night. I've worked in the food plus beverage industry for five years, and it's a huge part of my enjoyment in life, eating, drinking, discovering new restaurants, etc. I feel like if I let that part of me go, I wouldn't know who I was or how to fill my time otherwise. Side note, I was treated with forcebo with gaps back in August, even though I stuck to my foods, I overate sometimes on the legal foods I could treat like a dessert, like almond butter and honey. The treatment didn't take, and I'm back to feeling horrible. I've tried to treat acid reflux on my own with a combo of HCL pills, apple cider vinegar, digestive enzymes, probiotics, etc., etc. These days, I'm not doing so hot with eliminating things. And it just makes me eat all of the things, especially after coming off the GAPS diet. I'm not sure what to do. Please help. She says, P.S. If she was on a deserted island, she would take Steph because she is just way better than Noelle. That was my <laughs> that was my summary. <laughs> but yes, you would help her dance and all the philosophical talks. And she says she still loves me, though. So that's important. That's super kind of you. I am the most boring, however, unfortunately. So... Uh... You're stuck with me too bad. <laughs> She's going to have to deal. Anyway, Noelle and her her cohort, they can go have a party on the other side of the island and we'll all sit down with some texts and with our pencils and analyze them. I'm just kidding. That's hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so looking at this question, Noelle, I'm wondering, I feel like there's two things we have to address here. We have to talk about letting go of sugar, but we also might want to address what she's doing with her stomach. Do you have any thoughts about um, treating her digestive issues? Here's here's where I'm a little confused. And this is me just talking through some things that I'm, I'm not totally sure about. But I do think that maybe I could help. The SIBO issue and the candida. I'm wondering if the candida is still around. But the SIBO issue. And again, I'm not an expert in SIBO. But SIBO should be treated not just with diet. You're not going to resolve SIBO with diet. And so if you're seeing a practitioner, I mean, okay, I'm not going to say it's absolutely not possible, but if you really have serious SIBO issues, it's going to take antibiotics. There's a specific antibiotic that works for SIBO, and it's going to take a a, a couple, you could do a couple different types of of treatments in order to kill that overgrowth of bacteria. But just not eating the foods is not going to effectively get rid of the SIBO. So I would really encourage you, because this is an interesting situation. The SIBO, uh, while I do believe you have previous um, mental and emotional issues with food, right? There's, there's definitely some things going on that have been somewhat resolved, but not entirely. Uh <sighs> They kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion, with gut health. And so if your gut health isn't the greatest, right, and you have SIBO and you're having bloating and you're not properly digesting your food and you're not properly um, converting or making serotonin and all that stuff, it's going to inflate and 
and create a lot of those issues again, mental and emotional issues, and it's going to create anxiety and it's going to create all of those things that can play into bulimia and, and body image issues and in terms of, of physically it can. And so I, I think that I would highly recommend getting kind of on a two-way path. One being you have somebody that is trained in eating disorders to help you through the process that you are that you're going through because it's come the thing has whatever it was that you were dealing with before is now coming back maybe it's not exactly the same and you're kind of teeter-tottering between you know sometimes binging sometimes not sometimes bulimia sometimes not but I want you to ultimately go get help with that and then in tandem go and find help for the SIBO and seek out other people who can help you with the SIBO, whether that's a functional medicine practitioner or somebody who is highly trained in dealing with SIBO. I can link to Jessica Flanagan, who I think is incredible with dealing with SIBO and co-infections. A lot of the reason SIBO doesn't resolve is because there is like a co-infection going on and there can be a number of those. You can also actually have a, a severe allergy to a food. And so doing um, one of those, uh, the the high quality standard of, of the, the, the really the only one that I recommend for in terms of finding food um, intolerances and allergies is the Cyrex Array 10 lab um, or Cyrex lab. It's called Array 10. And I'll, again, I'll link to the page that talks about that test in the show notes, but you're going to have to have a practitioner in order to run that that lab. Um, but again, kind of having a, a team with you and that that other person who's helping you with the SIBO, whether it's a functional medicine practitioner or somebody even online that can really guide you through that process, um, I think that's kind of the solution here. I do think that the SIBO um, is a big kind of flare-up thing that's causing a lot of the issues to tumble. So... Good, because doing that may save you from having to give up the lifestyle that you that appears to be working for you. Right. Right. And so I think that that's probably the priority. Right. I would definitely try and resolve the physiological issues first and foremost. <laughs> I see that so often in my life. People would, you know, there are psychological components to all all illness. I think everything we do. Um, but physiological problems are real and can be intractable unless addressed, right? You're not going to be able to make that go away by changing your mind about something, right? And even getting rid of the sugar. And like I said, I've seen that in my life a lot, just really playing out how important it is to address the physiological stuff. So uh, please do that. But also we can talk about uh, giving up sugar, you know, um, I feel like I do this so much. Um, I simply, there's a lot of things in my life that I simply just got tired of fighting. I, I like, I'm done hating my body. Like I'm done being unhappy. Like I'm just, I'm done with things that seem like unnecessary struggles. Like they just, things that make my life harder. I've just, they've lost their appeal. I would rather my life be easy then have a cupcake, for example, right? Like if I have a cupcake and then I struggle with these feelings of addiction and, and need and cravings, like that's that's going to throw me off. It's going to make me feel unwell and I don't like that. And it's just, it's no longer worth it for me. 
Um, you know, like I said, you, you know that I have to like sort of not eat the sugary stuff. And that's just, I just choose not to. And I don't consider the like physical enjoyment of eating. Like, trust me, I love to eat. <laughs> but when I go out with friends, I have a great time and eating food isn't what makes me have a great time. Like I can eat and and be with them or just get a salad and like have it be fine, but kind of boring. And they're like having something exotic. But if I had the exotic thing with them, I wouldn't go home at night and be like, man, that like prawn cocktail thing was so good. That's what made my night good. No, what made my night good was that I was in the company of people I really, really liked. And so I, I just, I, I kind of always have that focus in my life thinking really deeply about what it is precisely that makes me happy and satisfied and content in my life. And I say it's relationships for me and there's a lot else there, you know, dancing, of course, obviously in productive work. But when you look at the psychological literature, like far and away, the number one thing that makes people happy is the quality of the relationships around them. So maybe what you could do if you decide to give up sugar is just don't think about it as curtailing your night. You can get drinks without sugar in them. You can get meals without sugar in them. Uh, if you are struggling with eliminating other things other than sugar because you're on gaps or whatever, um, you can find foods out that'll work for you. And if you don't, like abstain. And it might seem a little bit weird, but like your friends won't particularly care, especially if you're out having a good time, which is what you're there to do anyway. And so I know that that's probably a big shift, but that would definitely be the way that I would do it. And you asked about how we would personally do it. So, I, you know, that would be it for me. Uh, what about you, babe? Yeah, oddly enough that, that I would do it, <laughs> I would do it the exact opposite. So for me, how I exist now with food is completely different than what I used to. And it was all about changing my mindset and the conversation that I had with food because for so long, I had given designation uh, food these designations, being bad, being wrong, I can't have that. I restricting it. And once I kind of retrained my thought process around food, which is food is just food. It's neither good nor bad. It doesn't affect my own morality. It lost its power and it didn't happen overnight. And over the course of the of a year, I still had episodes where I would overeat things. Uh, specifically, I can remember almond butter being one of those things because when you're on a, oh, I'm going to do the paleo diet to solve all my problems and lose weight, you try to restrict all the things that aren't paleo and all the things that are paleo are, you know, foods that you can't eat. And so then almond butter was like the thing and nuts were things that I overate and I would crack out on because it was, for some reason, I was still, that was kind of my way of, uh, I, I kind of said it still was thinking almond butter was bad or wrong because it was really high in calories right and so I was at the point where I was I'd never ate peanut butter or any sort of nut butters because it was my perception that it was somehow bad or going to cause me to gain weight and so it it took it it's not something that happened overnight I'm going to say that again it's not like oh now I you know taking off all these restrictions and designations and everything's wonderful and dandy. Um, no, it was a it was a long process of relearning and reinteracting with food. And instead of saying to myself, I can't have those foods, I need to restrict them, I'm going to lose control around them. 
I decided to say, all foods are available to me. I can eat whatever the heck I want. And I, it was really just out of desperation. I got to a point where I was just like, screw it. I'm going to eat whatever. What if, what if I just eat whatever I want? What if I just say, I can have anything I want. I get all the food. I bring it all around me. And I just allow myself to eat whatever I want. And over time, I found that what I wanted to eat was not all that stuff that I thought I was going to want to always eat. And this is kind of the freedom that comes with taking all of those restrictions and stop trying to be on some wagon is that you can actually have the freedom to eat all the things that you want to eat and have uh, whatever it is that you consider to be bad, sugar, chocolate, cupcake, whatever, you can eat a little bit of that and you know that you can have more of it later. You know that you can have it tomorrow if you want. And so it loses its power over you. And most a lot of the time, you find that a lot of the foods that you designated bad and you tried to restrict, you actually don't really want anyway. And so a lot of those things that I would uh, overeat or binge on or whatever, just it's like, I I was like, I don't even like this, you know? And I've talked about that before and kind of that realization of like, this isn't even good. Why am I, why did I care so much about eating this? And so for me, that's kind of the process. And, and i the way I live now is I always, I love having a lot of food choices around me. I love having a lot of different types of chocolate. I love having a lot of different types of um, snack bars, you know, from that, whether they're like kind of more cookie-like with chocolate or whatever, like they're mostly paleo because again, that's what makes me feel well. But I like to have a lot of different things around that I can eat. And that includes, you know, different types of jerky and different types of fruits and stuff like that because I want to be able to serve my need and say, okay, what is it that I need right now? And I eat that. I don't question that. If I'm like, I really need an apple right now, like then I'll eat the apple. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm going to have some almond butter with it because I know typically apples don't don't really fill me up that much. So, you know, I'm free to kind of choose what it is that I want to eat. And if it's three o'clock and I'm like, gosh, I really would like some chocolate. I don't say, no, no, well, you can't have the chocolate. No, no, you know, I have the chocolate. I have a piece of chocolate and I'll put a little almond butter on it. And then it's like, I'm done. And I don't even really want any after dinner. Like it's, it used to be after dinner, it would just be this like, constant like what can I eat what can I eat what dessert can I eat what dessert can I eat like what and then it would be me trying to not overeat it you know what can I eat but then freaking out about the amount that I was about to eat and like trying to restrict it while I was eating it you know it's this whole thing and so for me which I don't know if this is the solution for you right now but it may be some of it is having this sort of sampling attitude where I can have a little bits of this I can have little bits of that it's always around me Um, and again that is sort of the whole moderation balance mentality which I think does work for a lot of people Now, that is not to say that I don't abstain from certain things like gluten, but I have a different attitude around that, which is I can't, it's not I can't have that, it's uh, that doesn't really make me feel well and I have no interest in feeling the way that I do when I eat that. And to be honest, there are plenty of gluten-free whatevers now, muffins, cupcakes, donuts, brownies, all the stuff that I can get just as much enjoyment from. So I don't feel like I'm being restricted because it's a choice. So that's all of my stuff. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, that was like really long. (laughs) A couple of things. One, um, yeah, to be clear, my avoidance of sugar is, I think about it as a choice, you know, um, I choose not to have it. Um, but I do understand when, when you have to forbid things, which is totally fine. And, uh, secondly, uh, Jessica, (laughs) I think the reason, uh, I spoke the way I did was because Jessica was asking about if you have to remove sugar, how do you Mm -hmm. deal? Right. And so I think that's a little bit different than I don't want to eat sugar because I think it's bad or because I think it makes me fat, but rather like how do you, you know, um, 
So I think it's really important to just sort of remember like which, which one you are when you're deciding audience, like, do I have to cut this or uh, am I choosing that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think the solution here is very complicated. So it's not one that we can be like, here's the solution. Right. But I think that having somebody on your side to help you walk you through that, to have you walk through that whole, what if I stopped restricting all of the food and, and actually eating the things that I wanted to eat? Like, how would that change your mentality? I, I don't know what I would prioritize right now. And, and that's going to have to be a kind of a thing, a result of, of maybe if you, whoever you find that you like the best that can work, maybe you have a hard time finding somebody to help you with the SIBO, but you find a therapist or somebody that can really help you work through some of these issues with the, um, the body image and, and the disordered eating and what sounds to be actually really, um, some some problems that you've had in your past coming coming back and so maybe you know i i don't know exactly what would be the priority um that's that's up to you but i think working on them together is a really great place to start is like not having to make that decision and and trying to to actually all work together you know maybe you have a couple different people that are all part of your team when it comes to meal planning for the family, sometimes you just want an easy button. And lucky for us, Prep Dish is the button we've all been looking for. Prep Dish was created to save you time and the seasonal, real food-based menus take the guesswork out of mealtime. When you sign up for Prep Dish, you'll receive weekly meal plans sent to you via email complete with crave-worthy meals, a grocery store list, and prep-ahead instructions straight from Allison, the founder of Prep Dish, who is a personal chef and a registered dietitian. As a special offer for the Paleo Women podcast community, Allison is offering a free one-month subscription to Prep Dish meal planning, which is an incredible offer. To take advantage of this deal and sign up to receive your free month subscription, head over to prepdish.com slash paleowomenfree or check out the show notes for more information. Last question. Question number three is from Kelly. Hi, Noel and Stephanie. Can How can we heal our bodies to the point where we are okay with a specific food or food group again? How would you best explain to a client slash friend slash random person who has decided to argue or debate this issue with you? I was raised by a Weston A. Price Foundation. I was raised on Weston A. Price Foundation thanks to a hippie mother and regularly consumed fresh caught seafood and raw dairy and organic local produce and grass fed meats. But once raw dairy got, a, got on the wrong side of the law, I began to exhibit serious dairy allergies. The classic chronic ear infections, rashes, sinus infections, etc. My mother, who pissed off a lot of doctors, just took me off the dairy and wham, the infections disappeared and I was back to making trouble within two weeks. Fast forward 20 years, I, would di I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, but I've actually lost a lot of weight. My forehead first broke out constellations of acne it was awful and humiliating and then my cheeks started to break out cystic acne inflamed and incredibly painful directly on my cheekbones wtf body now all that that is gone yay and all i have left is scars boo but then came the eczema you can imagine how awfully pissed off i was and i eventually narrowed down flare-ups to a couple different foods one egg whites to conventional dairy not fermented Three, peanut butter, four, chocolate, and five, iodized salt, and I keep finding more. The eggs I figured was just because about five years I worked the line and scarfed my food, all the while having my epinephrine being sky high and constant. Same thing with grains since I wolfed down conventional dairy and pasta and processed foods. But 
What is really driving me nuts is how do I get back to normal? I now have finally conceded my mom was right and stress has a lot to do with things we don't think it has anything to do with. Stress ran my world for the past five years and a half and I am now paying the price. Now stress and I don't know each other anymore, more or less, and that has taken my symptoms down significantly. I know there are many out there who are in the same place as me right now and it's maddening to every day go through and do fun things trying to hang out with normal people love 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 listening to you guys i'm on the road and in study she talks a little bit about her diet she says mostly paleo grass-fed local greens sardines herring Um, she does still eat egg yolks which i think is great kombucha ghee local greens uh, starchy veg, low glycemic fruits, fruits, and then coffee. She said she's tried to take that out, and that didn't help anything. So okay, so something that happened for me was my main acne trigger was that I lost a lot of weight and was very restrictive with my food, right? And then my acne became really, really bad. And I noticed, I learned the things that set it off, like dairy set it off. So I set it off. It took me a long time, but I figured it out. And so those foods were problematic for me. But the thing is, is that they probably would not have really been all that problematic had I not had that initial problem in the first place. And so I'm kind of thinking that this may be a similar thing, right? So, um, You have hypothyroidism. I'm not sure what kind. Most likely Hashimoto's only because I say that only because 90% of Hashimoto's cases are, or of thyroid cases are Hashimoto's. On the other hand, you were really stressed out. So it could be just stress. In any case, um, I'm guessing that uh, there is an underlying problem. Stress may have depleted your gut flora. You may have a little bit of a leaky gut thing going on. Um, which again is is probably clearly a, a thing if you have Hashimoto's. That being the case, that's probably the primary driver of your acne. And the stress, of course, is huge. And the attending hormone imbalances and losing a lot of weight is just really big for weight loss because estrogen is great for your skin, but it's produced in fat cells. So if you lose a lot of weight and you lose a lot of the estrogen in, that you're getting to your skin – you're, you may end up with uh, acne-related issues. So putting some weight back on, working on gut issues, those are the things that I would look into doing and not necessarily, I mean, keeping the list of the trouble troublesome foods while you're at it is fine, but they're definitely not the, I don't think they're the underlying cause. And so I would look into probiotics. I would look into you know, maybe SIBO, if you have any sort of gastro gastrointestinal issues, a thyroid rectification, uh, putting some weight back on. I don't know what that would involve for you eating a lot more, <laughs> exercising less. That sort of thing, I think, is what I would be doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, – I, I don't, like, have the process. Like, this is how you – resolve your issues but i i do think that that this is a very real thing for a lot of people like i know that i'm not gonna any any time in the near future i'm not gonna be doing gluten or dairy that's not necessarily saying that i'll never be able to again i do believe that gut repair is a big part of the the picture i think that 
we'll have hopefully science in the next 20 to 50 years that will show certain intolerances are due to deficiencies in certain strains of probiotics or whatever. And we'll be able to effectively uh, become intolerant, build our gut back up, kind of, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some some resolution, some other things. And so I, egg whites, I'm going to say, are popular. They do have a lot of things that can cause issues and cause flare-ups for people. And peanut butter and chocolate, Steph's talked about that before in terms of how it can cause acne and stuff like that. And and conventional dairy, that's a very real thing. A lot, a lot of people have an intolerance of some sort to dairy, whether they continue to drink it or not. They kind of continuing to drink it builds up and uh, kind of a tolerance to it. And so when they have certain issues, they don't correlate it with the dairy. But I will say that a lot of people have dairy issues. So, you know, drink the raw milk, keep eating your egg uh, yolks and just don't do the peanut butter or the chocolate and and find other cool things that you can eat and work on building up your gut and building up a strong and robust gut. Rotate your probiotics. I will also say, I you know, I would recommend potentially going to, again, a functional medicine practitioner of some sort that you trust that would be willing to work with you. And you can say, hey, look, this is this is what's happening here. Uh, what do you suggest? What do you suggest helping me in terms of like, building up my gut and making sure that it's strong and that I'm able to appropriately detoxify things and also process things appropriately. And I'm pretty sure he or she would have some some suggestions for you. But uh, also, I'll and again, I'll link to this in the show notes, the Cyrex Array 10 lab is really uh, beneficial. If you really actually do have an intolerance or an allergy to certain foods, it, it evaluates immune reactions to foods raw or modified and food enzymes and lecithins and then just like artificial food additives, um, including, you know, meat glue and colorings and gums and all that kind of stuff. So if you if there's some sort of like underlying thing, uh, it will help find it and and you can find out what you're having an immune response to. So that hopefully can help a little bit. I wish uh, I wish there was a solution. I wish there was like, this is how you stop being intolerant to things. But when I find that that solution, I will definitely let the world know <laughs> for nine ninety five. Just kidding. yeah, uh, you know, um, I think there have been some studies that have shown that uh, kids with peanut allergies uh, didn't react to peanuts when they uh, supplemented with probiotics. So um, gut health is a really big part of that allergic um, immune reaction. So right. gut health. So team gut health. Team gut health. Is that it for us? Are we done? We're done. My gosh. Time flies when you're having fun. No kidding. Okay, so you are having fun. You do I'm always having fun with you. You do like me. I love you. <laughs> That's it. No, I was like, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Liar. Just kidding. That's it. We're done. Um, I don't have anything really special to add here other than we so appreciate you. We really appreciate your support. We appreciate you being here and listening to us and sharing the show with your family and all your friends for more from us you can find stephanie at paleoforwomen.com and me noelle at coconuts and kettlebells.com we will talk to you next week <laughs>